here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Yes, the master storyteller. Yes, that is I. That is I, Captain Bly. Glad you're back with me again on the Dharmic Evolution. Before we get to our guest today, who is a really awesome one, um, just want to see if you guys have tuned in yet to the Dharmic Rising Stars Spotify playlists. And if you haven't yet, just check the show notes. The three different uh, lists that we put up are in there. We're rotating artists, uh, mostly into these lists, not out. Um, but people are taking top spots and sharing the top spots and moving things around. If you have not seen your um, music in there and you've been a guest on the show, reach out to me and say, hey, James, what, what, what's going on, man? Hey, why is my song not in one of the Dharmic Rising Stars playlists? Like Orion or Aquila or Lyra. And I will get right on it. If you're really digging the show, I would love it if you would give us a review in Apple Podcasts. Um, I collect them, and a lot of them are on the website now, dharmicevolution.com. You can check and see your review on the website, and thank you so much for sharing and posting that. Uh, we really appreciate that. Also, share the show with somebody. Come on, man. If we do a show that you really like, or if there's an artist you really like, or a speaker, a thought leader, share the show. Send it to them and say, hey, man, have you checked this out? It's pretty cool. So let's get to today's guest. He's a singer-songwriter musician. His songwriting incorporates lyrical poetry, like I do, combined with rock, pop, punk, melodies, folk-influenced sonic soundscapes with an indie rock edge pulling influences from artists such as Switchfoot, Reliant K, The Beatles, Colony House, and The Beach Boys. He's formerly from Phoenix, Arizona, but right now he's in the big state of New York, and he is a worship leader, and his first single, Neanderthals, it's a punchy pop-punk cut that's right on this show today, followed by You Are There, an acoustic rock ballad inspired by the Psalms. He's an awesome young man, it's James Cohen 3, so you better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution from the Music City all the way to New York City. So James, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, James. It's good to be here. Yeah, you know, uh, I was so glad that you, um, I think we connected on Instagram, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, was really, really delighted to, uh, I was so glad you reached out because after listening to your music, I was instantly impressed with um, your commitment, your sound, your songwriting, your singing, you know, all really, really great stuff. So, um, you know, kudos to you for uh, keeping the quality of everything you do at such a high standard. Really, really great stuff. Well, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored you think that it's at a high standard. Sometimes I wish it could be even better than that, but well, I'm always trying to challenge myself. Yeah, I'm sure it'll get there. I mean, like like all of us, we're all just such a work in progress, right? It's like, you know, one thing after another. But uh but yeah, really really delightful things. So you're in uh you're in Arizona right now, is that correct? Yeah. Well, just just for the meantime, I'm actually on vacation right now just seeing some old friends of mine from from college and from uh the past 10 years. Uh, I actually lived here in Arizona before I moved to uh, New York, New York is currently where I'm residing over in uh, Congress. Uh, but um, uh, I lived in Arizona from about 2008 to 2018. And so there's a lot of history I have uh, um, here in Phoenix with uh, many of the people. So, yeah. So, well, tell me first of all, because I was out there a couple of years ago, how do you guys survive the heat out there? I don't understand that at all. <laughs> it's like... It's the hottest place. I mean, I was like, I went out uh, there, I went out to run one day and I had to get up at like, you know, four o'clock in the morning because it was just unbearable out there. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I, I don't know how people do still survive it. I mean, somehow I survived 10 years out here by uh, the grace of God, but also I, I think it's, the main thing is just through drinking lots of water and air conditioning. Water and air conditioning is like the two keys. If you don't have water, if you don't have air conditioning, 
uh, you're not going to make it out here basically, <laughs> unless you're like, uh, very, very thin blooded and whatnot. So, uh, that, yeah, okay. I, I noticed that people just don't go out, you know, it's like after it gets to be 10 in the morning, I just don't see anybody out. It's like you're either in an air-conditioned car, nobody's walking on the streets or the sidewalks, or everybody's taking shelter, you know. But but very beautiful. Um, I was in uh, I was in just outside of Phoenix and really loved the desert like sunrise in the morning. It was it was pretty fantastic uh, actually. So really enjoyed that. That was pretty amazing. So tell us about New York. Why are you in New York? Is this um, something you wanted to do or do you have a project or you just decided you needed to relocate? Yeah, well, uh, this was three, well, not three years ago, but um, beginning of 2019 that I moved out to New York. And that was actually because of uh, an opportunity working at a church. Um, uh, I'm connected to a church called Grace Point Gospel Fellowship. And Grace Point Gospel Fellowship is a, um, it's a non-denominational church, but um I've been uh, working there as the worship director and actually had a full-time job getting to work there. And um, it's it's actually been a really good experience in, in many ways. I think I've learned a lot about production and about uh, lighting and uh, setting up of stage, just getting to do a lot of the behind scenes work and even working with, with the team and, and being able to uh, conduct them, orchestrate with them, uh, uh, plan and program things, working with tracks, like all of that. I, I've uh, spent a lot of time getting to be out there. So that's a bit of a longer answer to your question. But yeah, I've uh, I've just been living there, uh, getting to experience being a worship uh, director. But um, funny enough, it's led me to the experience of also getting to uh, begin uh, recording as a artist, really. And uh, that was through working with my uh, my drummer and he's actually a um he's a drummer well professional drummer um probably the best drummer i've ever played with but also a producer um audio technician he's actually worked with um he showed me a recording that he did working with uh if i remember correctly it was one of the singers of the beach boys i unfortunately cannot remember his name at this moment but uh he was uh he was producing some of his own solo work so He's very, very professional, very, uh, very good at what he does and very on top of it. And funny enough, God just uh, um, made our, our paths align, I think, in in uh, the grand scheme of things. So um, so that's a very long answer to your question. Uh, it's, uh, it's, little... it's amazing how the Lord has a funny way of doing that to all of us, right? Uh, he does that oh, constantly, yeah. you know, tees something up that you were not expecting and says, uh, take a swing at this. Like uh, this is not what I expected, but you know, if you, once you're attuned to it, as you you clearly are, uh, that starts to happen more and more, and I, I think we become more and more aware, you know, of that of those blessings that come, you know, blowing into your yard like so many autumn leaves, you know. Um, so why don't we kick things off, James, and give everyone a taste here? And this is uh the the first one I want to play. Um, and this one, why don't you set this up for me? It's called Neanderthals, and I, I love the title, and I love the lyrics, and, and of course the music. So um, just give everybody uh, a backstory on this. Uh, what was the impetus for writing this, and, and what is the description behind the curtain? Certainly. Um, this is really great getting to tell about this in Arizona because this is a song I wrote uh, back in uh, seven years ago, uh, writing with my old band out here. And ironically, I'm actually staying in the house of one of my old bandmates um, who, who co-wrote the song. But Neanderthals came from the idea, actually from a dream uh, specifically. My friend had a dream about um, uh, us playing together in a practice. And he basically just said, yeah, I had this weird dream that we wrote this song i don't remember all the lyrics but it was a song about neanderthals and uh in that process he showed me the opening riff to the song and he played it a little bit slowly and i was like i like this the whole idea when it came to writing about it as i got into the lyrical process i was in a place where i was not um i i was keeping away from the world i was uh not opening up for opportunities, not getting to spend time with other people. I was basically turning into a caveman, so to speak. And I started writing about it, how I, I basically have been turning into this version of myself that I don't want to be. And, uh, and the whole idea of it really 
came out of uh, this place where I was asking, what do I do? What, what is the, what is the solution to this? And that's where my friend came up with the chorus saying, uh, I'm running out, I'm out in the sun, I'm living free. And um, the idea that we were not meant to be living as uh, in isolation from each other, we were meant to be in community with other people. We were not meant to live in fear of others, but live together at, um, and the, the world is basically our oyster if we if we look at it. I mean, wherever we're at, we have an opportunity to be able to to go out and make a difference in the world. So the the main theme of it is really the idea that uh, we don't have to go at this alone. We can we can go out, we can be free, we can be free from a cage and we can experience life to the fullest as we get to be with other people, as we get to know others, as we get to connect. And so that was the uh, that that was the main premise in, in the writing process of the song. And I'm, I'm very grateful to Marcus and uh, Tyler Carl, um, who, who helped me co-write that as well. So Awesome. Well, here we go. Here's James with Neanderthals.
A beautiful life isn't what I was made for. Is that, did I quote that correctly? Or was it, um, is, actually, is what I was it's made actually, for? Well, actually, Neanderth Neanderthal life isn't what I was made for. Uh, that was written by Marcus. Uh, he, he wrote that line. And the, yeah, that, that was the basic idea was, you know, we're not meant to live as stuck in a cave. And it's, it's so ironic uh, that in this time of release that it ended up being shortly after living several months in lockdown because who knew that that was going to be our life that we were all going to basically turn into cavemen in the world yeah um i want to just comment on production man the guitars and the production in general it reminds me of uh jimmy eats world um which just you know i think is is fantastic stuff so um why don't you bring us into the studio and tell us about some of the textures i i think on this one uh, i was hearing a les paul is that correct i hear some really cool heavy guitars i mean sounds you, the tones you're getting are just awesome and also the arrangements really really good uh, all contributing to this great song so can you take us in the studio a little bit james tell us about the experience of how you put it together certainly yeah thank you thank you for that um i I think that the guitars that I used for it, it was two of my own. Um, I have a Fender Stratocaster okay, and uh, also a uh, Fender Fender Jaguar as well. A Jaguar? And, um, the Jaguar really? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it was funny too, because I mean, with the Jaguar, I, when I first sent that song to my dad and he listened to the solo and he's like, that actually sounds like a Beach Boys solo. And I was like, I never would have thought of it that way, but I guess, you know, with it, it's a Jaguar, so it makes sense. And uh, yeah. Um, and it's a good guitar. I think that I tend to use that more for soloing and for when I'm playing in uh, E flat tuning, which I, I tend to do for a lot of songs. But I think that um, the whole process of that, you know, just it was very simple. I, I used uh, a Fender amplifier and uh, uh, the Jaguar for the solos. Uh, I have a pedal that's a, um, I believe, a 1981 Inventions pedal, and uh, that's been made by the band. Uh, actually, the um, the lead guitarist of a band called Reliant K, which uh, okay. probably also has a lot of influence from Jimmy World. Um, but I mean, it's funny that you say that, though, because I think that the the riff of the song or part part of the riff uh, has many means of Jimmy World influence. And I mean, I listened to a lot of punk rock when I was younger, so it's still engraved in my head and it's still one of my favorite styles to, to perform to. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I just felt that the way you put the structure together and the the tones remind me of uh, because their stuff was like that. You know, they they had just really great guitar representation on all the songs. So yeah, you guys did an awesome job on this. This was really really good. Um, I actually played it twice today, and I was just really digging in. Um, let's talk more about your you being a worship leader. When did it occur to you, James, that you felt like you had like a call? to this, um, to this particular, um, part of your life? Like, you know, how old were you? And when did you first like realize, you know, God was knocking and saying, Hey, I got something, you know, really cool for you to do. Well, it's funny cause I've always had, um, experiences in music since I was younger, since I was four years old, getting to be, uh, singing with my dad. Uh, my dad actually used to be uh, a church uh, director uh, or music director when I was in elementary school. And at that time, he gave me the opportunity of singing solos and getting to uh, sing in church, sometimes with my sister. Uh, sometimes it would be with the, the children's choir. And um, really, I mean, there were so many experiences that I had of getting to, to play or to lead worship for uh, a praise team or for uh, a chapel uh, venue when I was going to Christian schools when I was younger. And um, in the the time of really deciding that I wanted to do music and do it for the sake of glorifying God with my life, I decided within, or I believe it was uh, within uh, junior year of high school where I moved to Arizona from Michigan, actually. And in that time, uh, I was given the opportunity not only at my church to be able to uh, help lead the team in youth group, but also leading in um, uh, worship at my 
my chapel as well at, at, at school. And so in that, it, it made me start to realize, uh, and I was actually going for filmmaking at the time. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I would love to be the next Peter Jackson or the next film director uh, because I loved the experience of watching Lord of the Rings and seeing how that was put together. And uh, and then when I had the opportunities of playing music, I, I just realized this is uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like this is what God has given me as a gift, and He's calling me to use it for His glory. And uh, and I think that um, within that, it's been a very interesting turn because uh, times where I've still questioned myself and myself for being a worship director or as a recording artist or both. And, and, you know, I'm still in that, that place uh, myself right now where I'm, I'm listening to God's leading in that. And I don't think that God always calls you to just one thing. I think that for a season of time, sometimes he'll call you to be um, one, one thing for the place that he's put you in, but then sometimes he'll say, okay, you've, you know, I've, I've brought you here, but now I have something else for you. And this is, this is going to challenge you, but this is going to be good for you. And so I think that, I've discovered that over the years where I've had many, you know, I've had some years of working part-time in music in, or uh, music ministry and, uh, um, and then working full-time right now. I'm even at a, uh, there's a thing for me to, to go ahead and start the production of these songs and these uh, recordings uh, because I, I had these songs written for over 10 years or almost 10 years in, in the making and uh, hadn't done anything with it. And uh, one of my friends, Howard, actually told me upon listening to another one of my recordings, he was like, James, it's time. You have to, you have to do this. God, like this is, the, the world needs to hear your James. And it's like, I don't know if that was exactly, uh, if that if that was fully the Holy Spirit speaking through him, but I think that God was probably tugging at my heart to say, James, this is something that I've given you. And it's not just for you to have for yourself. So uh, um, I believe that that's that's where he called me uh, in that time. That was last year, I think, in April, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there's times I think that we um, we all not all of us, but there's times when we feel like we're unworthy, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy of this uh, gift. But it's almost like if. Um, I use this metaphor with somebody close to me just recently. It's like if somebody gives you a gift and you bring it home and it's all wrapped up and it's beautiful and you just you put it in the corner or you leave it on the table and you don't open it, you know, it's like the person who gave you that gift, if they knew that, which the Lord does, of course, um, it's almost a little insulting to not reach out and say, that I better open this gift. And in your case, it's, you know, it's unwrapping your songs and bringing them out into the light of the world uh, to share. So, um, so uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you've done that and you'll continue to do that. So um, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, more about Worship Leader. Can you tell us about how your day goes, James, um, as far as what are your responsibilities? What are the highlights of your day when you're doing uh, worship leading? Can you can you take us down that trail? Sure. Yeah. Um, when I'm leading worship, uh, generally my my day starts out uh, as uh, normal days, uh, where I I just try to read scripture in the morning and and try to invest in, into devotions just to get myself ready for the day. Uh, but usually when it comes to responsibilities of the church, it it begins with uh, scheduling, uh, generally uh, using programs like uh, Planning Center and using uh, different um, programs like multi-tracks, getting prepared the tracks for the songs that we're gonna be singing on Sunday morning. We have a bit of a, we, our, our church is fairly big, but because we have a big auditorium, I always try to use tracks to back with what our band is doing. And it helps uh, ease up the process of having to direct them into, you know, what, what is the next, uh, what is the next part we're going to sing is the chorus or, and it ends up doing it for them in the monitors. So I, I spend time getting to create the tracks, but I also work with, um, automation as well. Uh, during the day I get to do, um, connecting, uh, basically using either Ableton or we have a program called playback. Uh, we get to put the slides, uh, um, in on, on pro presenter, which is another software. Um, and, uh, we have a another lighting program as well, 
And what I do is I basically connect all three of these uh, these programs together uh, through uh, internet, Wi-Fi specifically. Um, I think a better option would be through wired, but because of the distance between our stage, we Wi-Fi is the best option for right now. Um, but I basically allow these uh, computers to interact with each other and automate so that uh, they can run properly according to the flow of the song. So when the first verse is about to come up, the slides come up two seconds beforehand. And then uh, when the lights need to come up for the beginning of a song, it automatically comes up uh, through the computer. So it's a lot of it's a lot of that process. And it's it's weird because you wouldn't think of doing that. Uh, not all worship leaders do that, but I think I've, I've become a little bit more of a technical worship leader in, in my experience. And also just preparing chord charts, putting together the um, uh, sheet music, if there's a violinist or, or if there's someone who needs sheet music, recording the vocal tracks to uh, songs, vocal harmonies, pieces of that, communicating with the team, getting to interact with them in that way. So I've, I've done a lot of that. Um, and it's it's enjoyable, but sometimes it can be a little bit tedious at moments. Uh, so I, you have to learn to, to roll with the punches, so to speak. Wow. It's a and whole then, um, production, uh, man. This is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything expanded my knowledge of getting to work on stage, which sometimes I wonder if, if that's meant solely for, for being a worship director, if that's meant to be even for, for stage performance in the future, because now I know if I wanted to, uh, if I, if I have a limited team or if I can't hire, you know, a professional, um, lighting director, if I can get someone to set up all the lights and if I could get it all automated automatically, uh, then, it eases up the the stress of having to to run everything in a timely manner, but but there are some setbacks to it. There's everything has its pros and cons. So let me ask you this: Is this a weekly? So it's a weekly service. So it's like every Sunday or Saturday, whatever day you do the worship, that it changes each week. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, most of the setup is very similar, um, but the band tends to change every single week because we're working with volunteers uh, and. I think with that, uh, we try to make sure that the songs are uh, generally like different songs each week, so it's not too much repetition. Uh, but even in that, I try to keep a structure of keeping, you know, usually like 40 to 60 songs in rotation so that it's not a bunch of new songs that no one has ever heard before, because I think a lot of times people can just sit there confused. Um, and even songs that you've done for a long time, maybe a song that's new to someone just stepping into the congregation. But it sounds like a tremendous amount of work and responsibility, even though you're having fun. It's a, it's a bit of pressure, too, because, you know, different slides, different music, you know, things shift each week representing whatever is going on, uh, what kind of service it's, is it, what, what piece of the gospel is being presented, whatever it is. Um, you have to coordinate all of that. So uh, it's pretty remarkable that you're able to sync lighting, the music, the backing tracks, you know, and what's going on, you know, up on the altar on stage. Uh, it's It sounds like it's uh, a little bit more than meets the eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I have um, I have really church front to thank for that uh i don't know if you ever heard of that but it's a no yeah it's a youtube channel that has provided so much information of how to set up your stage how to put things together and it's really funny because it's like um i i never would have thought i would have been using tracks or using all these pieces of equipment but uh even for a smaller church setting there's a lot that you can do with uh, a very limited budget and it's amazing uh how uh, technology has advanced so much that you can basically do it yourself with with the majority of it, and so uh, that's that's how. And it really is it is stressful in many ways. And sometimes I wish that it wasn't all up to me. I think that for me, uh, ideally in the future, I, I would like to try to work more with the team and to have many voices of input to say, okay, this this was good. You know, but what what if we did this? creativity 
throwing out together. But I think that, you know, in God's timing, I think there's a purpose to what I'm learning right now and learning how to be work independently. And I think in the future, I, I believe that he's, he's going to show where, uh, where other people can be coordinated and involved. So that's, that's something I'm learning a lot about right now. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm seeing how much it's, it's beneficial even just for, for life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, talk about complex, uh, stage, uh, arrangements and so forth. I remember when The Who came out with, uh, an album called Quadrophenia, long time ago and I remember it was like I was very excited when when this album came out it was a long time but they had scored all of these orchestral instruments and horns and everything and you know the who's three piece and a singer so they go out on the road and they had synced everything to digital tape or not what they didn't even have digital tape yet they just had like tape recorders running and they all had to be cued at a certain point. And I think it was the the first week of the tour that I guess the sound engineer missed his cue. And Pete Townsend, in, in true form, went completely berserk, <laughs> threw down his guitar, ran, grabbed the guy by the shoulders, dragged him over the equipment, slammed him down, and then he goes he goes back into the green room. And it, they took, it took him like 45 oh minutes gosh. to calm him down, to get him back out on stage. But a little bit of an overreaction. I would, oh, man. I, I would have just like just jumped into summertime blues and done, done something to, to you know forget about it. But but I know we've I, come a long way since those days. That was crazy. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean that that for for back then like that was probably groundbreaking too to be able to use equipment like that. Yeah. But extremely stressful. And I mean, for someone like Pete Townsend, like as as critical as that is, and like as probably negative that appears. I can also understand because I was kind of that 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 kind of uh, uh, diva a little bit on stage when I was first using Ableton and then things were not connecting and I was getting angry and freaking out and just like running back and forth between the two computers and I'm just like, okay, why isn't this working? And uh, I mean, uh, sometimes you have to learn to let go if things go wrong and just make the best of the situation. I mean, you know, they, they say the show must go on. And while, while worship is not a show or like meant to be a show, when you're leading a church service, it technically is a bit of a show in the sense of you're, you're working a timing of uh, there's a beginning and an end to it. And there's, there's a structure that you put in place to it. So, I mean, there's, there's purpose in the planning, the purpose in the orchestrating and putting pieces together. So um, yeah. it's, it's just very interesting how, how far we've come. But yeah. not getting too, or I'm not getting too off topic. <laughs> no, it's no. You're right though about you know the emotion of it is you, you know as an artist you're 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 creating this very very special moment in time and after it's all done, you know you you spend time rehearsing and getting it just right and you're presenting to the world this is this is the vision that I've just spent a couple of years on. And then something like that just throws, you know, black paint all over it and it just becomes a mess. But you're right when you're when you're performing. I mean, all of the all of, all of the biggest bands always had um, a go to. It's almost like the secret word thing. Well, like Jethro Tull was famous for their very, very complicated arrangements. I mean, they, these guys were doing like jazz stuff, jazz blues with like lots of complicated stops and things all over the place. And, you know, if something fell apart on stage, they went right into Aqualung or, or, you know, bands would do that. It's like, all right, if, if it's a big mess, it's like, it's like having the emergency, uh, you know, jettison pack next to you. <laughs> like, what do we do? This show must go on, like you said. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I digress, but I, I love just hearing about what people do when they're, on stage or in the studio, you know, what are the bag of tricks that you have? Because sometimes you need those to get out of a jam, you know. Um, I want to play this next one, James. This this one is is really, really great song. Folks, this is called You Are There. Somewhere where I can run from your spirit Or where can I flee away from your company Well you know my thoughts and all of my words before I have spoken And all that I've seen 
You've seen all of my misdeeds If I ascend into the highest heavens Or if I fall into the darkness of despair You were there You are my guide, you are my shepherd I won't be wanting in pastures of green You lead me to quiet streams And even though I walk through the valley Shadow and death, I know that I will never fear. Cause you were here. Through every hill and every valley, through every season of my and even when I'm lost in doubting You swear to never let go You'll never let go Away, I know that I will not despair Cause you're always there Nice production once again. I immediately picked up on, uh, I know Psalm 23 is in there and probably a bunch of other psalms. And, you know, you had like great strings, guitar sounds. The tones were really nice again. And I think I heard a cello towards the end. Did you have a cello in that song too? I, I did, yeah. yeah. Um, I, actually, I was. Uh, it was very interesting because the I, I have not met the cellist in person. I actually hired him through Fiverr.com to record um he did the cello, violin, double bass, and viola, uh, like the full uh, um, quartet. And there is admittedly a mixture of different sounds. It's it's like partially real, partially a little virtual, because obviously you couldn't fit an entire orchestra inside of uh, my friend's garage recording studio. Um, and uh, it, but I mean, uh, the the work that that guy did, I believe his name is. Um, I was gonna say Igor, but I don't think that's correct. I'm I'm sure. Um, uh, oh, uh, Elon. Elon is actually his name, if I remember correct. Um, and uh, um, he he really did a great job. I'm actually hiring him to to uh, finish one of my other songs for the record as well too. And so I'm I'm very excited uh, to have accomplished that. Um, to have strings for a record is uh, truly like uh, and uh, a blessing in many ways because I never thought I would have the opportunity to write orchestral parts and then get to see it come to life. That's awesome. The it, You just reminded me of a guest I had on um, from New York City. His name is Peter Louie. And he actually, he's, su he's such a gifted cello player, been doing it forever. And he actually has a couple songs where he sings while he plays cello. And he tours Europe every single year. And I was listening to him, oh, wow. like, you know, we featured a couple songs on, on the show, and I said, you know, I, I can hear the room mic. He, he, he mic'd this thing so beautifully, and I heard his playing, and I said, I said, you practice every day, don't you? And he goes, he goes, in 25 years, I might have missed one or two days. <laughs> I mean, talk about a guy committed to his... And you know he's got this great big cello that he's that he's bringing all over Europe with him. But but he said he's got a following of uh, going to like uh, Italian restaurants and so forth. But the cello is such a beautiful instrument and used properly, man, it's just there's nothing like it. 
So tell us about the um, the song itself, how you um, put together, you know, the story. Um, you know, it's kind of self-evident, but for those who, who haven't followed Scripture, can you just give us, um, you know, you are there. It's, it's pretty obvious, but uh, can you share with everybody what this, um, this private prayer, if you will, was all about? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that the process was written actually seven years ago when I was back in college. Um, maybe it's almost eight years ago now officially, but uh, when I was writing this, it was just it was just a means of reminder. I think I was looking to find answers in the situation where I was just a little sad and confused. And I looked and I found, um, uh, well, of course, I mean, everyone knows Psalm 23, but looking into uh, Psalm 139, where it says, uh, you've searched me, Lord, you know, you know me, you know, when I sit and when I rise and you understand everything about me. Uh, uh, and uh, if I send into the highest heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, you're there. And that whole idea, I just thought, you know, this is, or, I, you know, I, I want to put this into song. I think that, and, and I was listening to a band called King's Kaleidoscope at the time. I think you'll hear a lot of inspiration from them, I think, in some of the writing of this, because they they created just a collaboration of sounds. And it sounds like it's an, it's an orchestra on stage playing uh, a mixture of uh, uh, Hans Zimmer meeting math rock or something like that. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy. The things they come up with, it's, um, I think when I was writing, I really wanted to focus on uh, the, I well, just just putting these two scriptures to life and doing it in such a way that is not just verbatim, uh, but doing it and then making a response out of it. And so I think that uh, I, I feel like I'm cheating, you know, in many ways because I'm stealing it from from David, uh, who who wrote these psalms. Uh, but using Psalm 23 and Psalm 139 um, and putting it into a different format, uh, and even I was trying to change the structure because I. I get tired of using the same chord progressions sometimes as yeah. normal worship leaders like to use. I like to find new sounds. So I think using a major seven chord and using uh, an E minor uh, or dominant seven, or, or I'm probably not even saying it correctly, uh, but finding that I was like, you know, there's something to this when I, when I play that and, um, and then writing in the very ends that every hill and every valley, every season, that was just a, response like i guess it's an emotional response for me understanding you know based upon what i know knowing that god knows me deeply and knows the worst parts of me and yet everywhere i go whether i'm like in the you know i'm at the top and i'm i'm giving him honor with my life and i'm doing my best for him uh or i'm at my lowest and i'm just uh in the worst format of sin uh he's still there and i think knowing that and knowing that even emotionally, like the, the moments of despair that I go through, uh, or like the moments that life is tough, life is, um, feels meaningless. Uh, I think moments, uh, even if I don't feel it, um, he's there. And I think that's what it boiled down to is like, no, regardless of the way I feel, this is the truth that I know. And I, I believe that I need to, to declare this. And so that's, that's where it all came from. Yeah, it's. I think. I think what when you just what you just described is something that so many of us are experiencing and going through anxiety, depression. I can't tell you how many um, artists I've had on that are really struggling with that whole that whole theme. And I just finished a book called uh, Seven Steps to Mental Freedom to try to help people uh, in their day to day with this. But it's. It's kind of rampant, and especially with uh, what we went through over the past year and a half or so, um, people are, you know, frightened and and lost and kind of, you know, going back to your story about the cave and being, you know, Neanderthal and being, um, you know, a lot of people just are growing up in a time, especially the younger, like the young adults and the teenagers, they're growing up in a time where it's like it's hard to find good leadership you know, anywhere. So, you know, people are always searching, like, I just don't want to be afraid. I just don't want to be depressed. I just don't want to be anxious. And um, having a relationship with the Lord is one of the most fabulous things you can do to mitigate that situation. You can um, always put your focus on Him and say, there's something much better than this, you know, in my future 
uh, if you want it. And it, I, I always say it's not that much different than having a relationship with a person, but you have to throw in. You have to commit and you have to believe. And, you know, with those things in hand, it's just a progression. You know, we're, we're all at different, you know, parts in our path on that road, but um, it's available to anybody, which is the good news, you know. So yeah. let me ask you this, James. What do you like to do when you are not creating, writing, putting together your worship? Um, what do you like to do outside of that uh, physical fitness, biking, running, anything like that? You know, just reading books. I know you're, I know you're a poet fan, as I am. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in our, our artistry. But uh, what's your fave to like just decompress and get away from the norm? Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because sometimes I feel like I need to find new hobbies to, to get myself de-stressed from life. And I think that living in New York, I find that I, I get myself working a bit too much um, uh, to the point where I, I forget about actually spending time to myself and um, uh, de-stressing and, and having fun hobbies. But for me, it's it's usually movies uh, or, or like TV shows. I, I've enjoyed watching, you know, usually it's it's entertaining uh, movies like uh, oh, the Marvel films, the cinematic universe. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd in that way. So I, I, I've enjoyed those uh, telling of stories and stories coming to life. Enjoy. Um, I found, uh, I didn't really discover this as much recently, but getting to go hiking, I really that to help de-stress when I can get the opportunity. There's actually some really beautiful places up north uh, in um, if I remember correctly, Bear Mountain, uh, towards that area, there's some really beautiful uh, places to go hiking every once in a while. And sometimes I'll just go there with a friend or go there by myself to pray. And so I've, I've enjoyed that. Um, but um, I think, you know, generally speaking, I, I also have enjoyed um, computer or uh, video games in the past. I, I think I've had a, an experience of that. I think as of recently, uh, I've tried to stay away from that and watching too many TV shows because I realized that sometimes it can really just do too much to your brain. And as I'm working in the church, since I spend a lot of time recording and uh, working with uh, programming and uh, planning and everything else, I spend too much time looking at a screen. So for me, I, I usually just have to uh, de-stress and just uh, go go running or jogging or something and then uh, or go hiking. And sometimes I'll work out, although I, you you can see that I am I'm not like the best of shape. I've got a lot to work on in that. So I, I'm a bit of a work in progress in that. But um, I mean, we all are. You know, we're not we're not fully at our finest yet. So, yeah, you know, if you um, if you check out if you check out um, exit 18 uh, on the throughway, um, um, the Shawangunk Mountains. I don't know if you've been up there, but there's some beautiful hiking up there, and there, you know, there's climbing if you're into that. That's that's a little extreme, but uh, but there's great trails. Uh, the Hudson Valley is just beautiful. There's just an amazing place to go up there. But yeah, check that out. New Paltz, Exit 18. You 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 would love it up there. Um, as we're getting closer to to the end here i want to ask you as far as um aspirations looking out towards like the next couple of years what is it that you have you know most on your heart to do with all the things that you've uh, created thus far going to be more of the same any any special projects coming up uh outside of what you're doing and um you know just tell us what the uh future looks like for james certainly I would like to finish. Well, I mean, right now it's it's the process of finishing an album. The album is called Time, and I've actually started a, a GoFundMe campaign for it uh, several months ago. Uh, still working to raise all the money for it. Uh, so, if you would like to help with that, that is a, that that would be a blessing. But um, also, I'm uh, wanting to release more music after this. So, this is really just the this is the um, I'm trying to think of the best terminology, but this is the the kickstart, the, the starting point to get to not just doing this project, but many other projects beyond that. And I think working with uh, uh, certain musicians that I've, I've come in contact with here in, in New York, uh, I would like to keep uh, producing material. I think after I finish this uh, Time album, which is meant to be finished in November, um, I think that beyond that, I would like uh worship ep possibly and then 
Uh, I have a second album that I have in my head that I'm working on. Uh, and the whole idea of that is actually from writing from the experience of being in New York for the last few years and, and uh, sometimes feeling like I'm stuck in a cage. So kind of going uh, along with the Neanderthals aspect a little bit and trying, or I, I don't know what the album is going to be called, but probably something like cage free or something of that nature. But I have, I have that plan. I would like to work and collaborate with other musicians and artists and producers as I continue to write and create. And um, even in the touring process, ideally, if, um, if I could uh, um, open for another act and I'm, I'm learning so much about the music industry and I realized like how little I actually know about it and the business side of it. And uh, for me, I would love to share these songs on the road and to, um, to network with other, uh, other artists that have, have made it big. If I could, if I could get myself to the top, I mean, I, I will, <laughs> but uh, all, all in, in God's timing and if it's in his will. And, uh, um, and that's the thing I have to understand is that I can't rush the process. Uh, you have to enjoy the experience. I think that was something that a friend of mine named Anwar uh, told me who's a producer, I believe. And so I really appreciated that because sometimes I'm, I'm so much in a rush to have everything together. And uh, this is unrelated to the question, uh, but sometimes you just have to uh, be steady and just keep taking small steps. And um, I think that trusting that whatever you don't have, that he'll take care of the rest. Like that's, that's one of the biggest faith and faith is not, just sitting and waiting but it's taking one small step forward and then um and then allowing for uh uh patience to be your virtue as you uh as you continue to to move forward so um do you have uh, a gofundme link for your album yes i do um in fact i might have i might have shared in the or uh, the notes I sent, but I think that, that perfect. I could, uh, then it'll it'll yeah. be in, it'll be included in the show notes, so we'll definitely put that out as as all your links and all your socials, everything will be in the show notes for today. So, um, in in wrapping up, James, um, any last shout out that you would like to say to the audience, um, whatever it is, um, as far as you know, just a wish of prayer to them, um, any kind of uh, wise sage advice from a from a seasoned worship leader who's a singer songwriter uh, especially for the younger ones coming up like anything you at all that you would like to share as we part ways here the microphone is yours my friend <laughs> thank you well uh man i guess uh for for other worship leaders that are out there listening to this who may be looking for a place in in between where you want to you want to honor God with your music, but you don't know if that's just in the church. Um, know that the church is a place that God has put you for for a time, and He will put you there. But there's also a world that we have yet to reach. And uh, I would say, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to try something new and different. Um, and be willing to uh, uh, be told you're wrong sometimes. I think that that's. That's one of the most important things is learning to listen and learning to uh, accept when we need correction. Um, and that might be a bit random, but I think that when we do that, that's how we move forward. That's that's the only way we can move forward is by understanding our faults and then not uh, sitting in it, but simply uh, repenting, taking a 180 turn from what we did before and becoming something better than what we could be. Uh, so uh, I hope that that advice is uh, helpful. And, Amen, uh, meaningful. brother. Amen. <laughs> and last thing I want to ask you is best place for people to connect with you. Is it, is it Instagram or is it someplace, but website, where would you prefer people to connect with James? I, I would say Instagram is probably the number one, but you can also okay. connect with me through Facebook. Uh, um, uh, in, my Instagram handle is J K O A N three. Um, and uh, currently working on the website. That's uh, that's uh, something in, in production too, but you can also connect through there um, or through through James Cohn, the third music. Uh, and um, as I continue to re release content and continue to work on my uh, my platform, I'll make sure to let people know through Instagram, uh, what events are coming up, what we made and uh, if I release any website to, to provide more information. So. 
You know, as far as the website, I'll be praying for you because I think I'm on at least my 10th. So it's something you just, <laughs> it takes forever to get it right. <laughs> you know, it just never stops. <laughs> James, listen, it was, uh, it was really a pleasure to have you on. I really enjoyed your music and getting to know you. And I want to congratulate you on being a worship leader. It's a tremendous responsibility and I think the good that you do, um, you probably don't, you probably know about 10% of the good that you're doing uh, for people because people don't often come out of their shell enough to even to comment. So, but I know that's true and I commend you for doing that. So I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, your music and your, uh, your career moving forward, my friend. Well, James, I'm, I'm truly honored. And thank you so much for having me on this podcast too. Uh, it, it is a blessing to talk to you officially and to, to be able to do this. It, it really is uh, amazing getting to, to share this music with the world and to, to know that God is, is moving through, through many different people like yourself and uh, keep up what you're doing. I think I love that you're encouraging other people and uh, innovating or working with other innovators and um, helping others have a platform to share what, what God has put on their heart. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this show as much as I did. James is an awesome young man, obvious, great songwriter, great singer. Love what he's doing. Love the whole worship leader thing that's happening in his world. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery Find the key Ride on, ride on We can unlock each other's destiny I taste the breeze of freedom It's tingling on my tongue You and I out on the road We'll stay Pictures in your mind I'll take you places 